He said, when you're tempted, I'll provide a way of escape. The way of escape is going to be himself. Jesus Christ is the way. You talk about, I need, I need deliverance. Jesus Christ, he's the way. You, any, anything you need, any way you need to be provided for you, out, in, up, down, doesn't matter. Whatever kind of a way, he said, I am the way. I am the way. That's, that's who we look to. Praise God. How about if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of James. Chapter number 5. And enjoy everyone that's here. Appreciate your, your love for God and your worship. And I desire that the hand of the Lord just change, transform according to His will for you. That He works in you. According to his divine will and plan and glory be. Glory be to his beautiful name. James 5:11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the endurance, called patience here, King James, of Job. And have seen the end of the Lord. And here's what we saw in the conclusion that the Lord is very pitiful. That that's not a put down, that means very tender hearted. Matter of fact, it's only used here in the entire Bible for this one time, very pitiful and of tender mercy. It's it's one has to do with who he is, he is mercy. The other has to do with how he feels towards us. And it's a, it's the bowels of his mercy. It's the, uh, it's the, there's a feeling, but there's also, there's also a divine nature. And that's, the Bible said that's the end of the Lord, that the Lord's very pitiful and of tender mercy. You can go ahead and be seated. You talk about, you talk about a powerful individual. Maybe, maybe one, of the, one of the most underestimated people in the entire Bible. This man, Job. We don't, we don't have much of his uh, background given to us. Matter of fact, we don't even know when he lived. It was obviously around the time when people lived long ages. After his, uh, after his moment of trial and testing is over, the Bible says he lives 160 more years. We don't know how old he was when he began, but that's, that makes him older than Jacob and right up there with Abraham and Isaac. Just in the second part. And so, surely he was in his 200s. And, uh, and so you're talking about an individual that the Scripture said of him, through the mouth of God, there's nobody on planet earth like him. And, and so you're talking about, if he lived during the times of Abraham and so forth, whenever it was, there was nobody like Job. You don't hear a lot about Job, but the Lord talks about Job. Matter, matter of fact, whenever... Uh, he had prophesied through Ezekiel that Israel would be destroyed. 
um, he told them, hey, I've got the three greatest examples of righteousness that I could give you. And if these three people were here, they would only save themselves by their righteousness. But he did say they would have been saved. They wouldn't have been destroyed. They wouldn't have been led captive, but they would have been saved. And he said their names are Noah, Job, and Daniel. Now Noah, I get Noah. Noah's a great character. And obviously, uh, Daniel is, is legendary. But Job is right there in the mix. And think about this. Think about the fact that this individual who's writing this book is James, the brother of Jesus. He's a Jew. He is very much a Jew. And he's very much proud of their heritage as Jews. And, and so he's, he's the one you read about in Acts chapter 12 that after, after Simon Peter's delivered out of jail, that's the James who is being reported to in Jerusalem. And, uh, by Acts 15, he's a pastor at Jerusalem. He's, he is an apostle. Uh, you're, you're talking about an individual that is, that is mightily used of God, but he's, he's very, very much into his Jew heritage as a Jew, the Old Testament people of God, by whom the Lord came and it just happened to be his half-brother. And so he's proud of his genealogy and his heritage. And so as he's dealing with this, this group of people in writing to the twelve tribes in the church scattered around the world, and he's speaking to these people and he's calling them brethren, He's speaking to the people of God, and he begins to call them sinners. You're either one or the other. You're either a brother or you're a sinner. And, and there's a big, huge change that takes place in chapter number 4, and that is that you're talking about sinners that need to purify their hearts because they're, double, they're double-hearted, double-minded. They need to, they need to turn back to God and submit to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. The devil is not the problem. He's declaring unto these people, you believe in one God, that's awesome. The devils believe and tremble. But talking about their church service and talking about their Gathering together in their synagogue, James 2 and verse number 2, he's, he starts to declare unto them how their service goes. And it's sit here and sit there. Why don't you, hey, if somebody comes here who's rich, what, what you have to offer them is the best seat. That's what you've got to offer. Where you've got the Lord of glory, you've got to offer the best seat. And here's another seat, and here's my footstool, and obviously there's not a lot of praise and worship, not a lot of trembling going on in that church service. Hey, here's what I can give you, sir. I can give you the best seat. I can't give you deliverance, and I can't give you salvation, and I can't give you power, but i got a seat for you. The devils believe in one God and tremble, but God's people in James' writing are not trembling. They don't have the fear and the reverence and the awe of the God that they're serving there. It's all about position and seats. But nobody's got deliverance and nobody's got power. And now these are people who, who are so fleshly. If the Bible said that there's lust coming out of them. 
Don't blame things on the devil that are not to be blamed on the devil. He said, resist the devil. He will flee from you, but you have stuff coming out of you. It's born in you. He said, I'll tell you where lust comes from, you. It comes from within. The Lord does not tempt with sin. He's not going to tempt with sin. God will never disobey His own word. He's never going to put you in a position for His glory that is sin. He said, I'll tell you where that comes from. He doesn't say the devil. He said, your own lust. He said, I'll tell you where these wars are coming from. James chapter 4, it's coming from you. He said, you, it's coming out of you. You Remember that. Always remember that the Bible said that poor Eve was deceived. Always remember that. The Bible said that Eve was deceived. But the Bible said that Adam was not. And he was not having a conversation with the serpent. The serpent was not telling Adam, hey, if you do this, God will do this. That's Eve and that's, that's the devil or the serpent and Eve. Adam isn't talking, but he can sin without the serpent. Adam can disobey without being tempted. See, that's the difference. That's One's deceived, the other one isn't. Adam was not. He chose to transgress without any demonic influence, without a voice in his ear, without a talking serpent. He just went gladly ahead and disobeyed God. I'm talking about our nature, fleshly nature, does not need help to sin. Sin is born within us. You've got to recognize that because whenever, whenever the Scripture tells us of this great individual, Job, that there was unlimited power to come against an individual in order to cause him to sin against God. And he does not parade naked ladies in front of him. He doesn't say, hey, I've got some narcotics, take some of these pills. He doesn't do any of that stuff because none of that stuff's from him. It's from human beings and their flesh. That's the kind of stuff that comes out of us. When he tempted the Lord in the wilderness, there's no naked ladies. You single 30-year-old individual, how about I show you some pornography? None of that, no. It's all about power. It's all about your will taking control. It's all about disobedience to your calling and God's plan in your life. It's not about, hey, do this. Take, I want you to gamble this. I want you to... Those are lusts of the flesh. All of that is lusts of the flesh. One of the lusts of the flesh is pharmaceutical. It's literally in the Greek, pharmaceutical. You talk about, you talk about the drugs that we have in our world. Don't blame that on the devil. It's coming out of people. It's stuff that comes out of us. And the scripture tells us that James is trying to put a spotlight on these people. And he's trying to tell people that were brethren, but are now called sinners. You need to hear this, you sinners. You need to, you don't need to start thinking you've got a bunch of time on your hands. He said, you're the key, you're the kind of people that are saying, hey, this is what we're going to do next year. We're going to go to this city and we're going to do thus and thus. And he said, you're not in control of your life. You're not the one that's running this show. How in the world do you think you've got next year to look forward to? He said, your life is but a vapor. Here's what you ought to say. Whatever the Lord wills. Whatever the Lord wills, that's what's going to happen for us. But, but I'm not going to just believe I've got unlimited opportunity here on this earth. 
He's talking about people who are ruining themselves from their own self. He's talking about things, debauchery, that, that, that's coming, adultery, all the things that you can list that are less of the flesh. They're all blamed on the devil, but the devil just resists and he flees. But it's a whole lot different when it comes to us. When it comes to you sinners, it's not just a resist. It's not just a, there's gotta be a transformation. There's gotta be a death. There's gotta be sacrifice. There's got to be literally what Brother DeLorenz was talking about, a 100% falling on our face before his feet and declaring unto him, hey, 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 I am nothing without you and it's got to be your power in my life, your glory in my life. We got more to offer than just a nice seat in this building today. If you need deliverance, you came to the right place because we do can, we can do that for you. If you need freedom in your mind from oppression, you came to the right place. It's not just about you can have whatever seat you want. There's power in this building. There's righteousness in this building. Just in the nick of time. You sinners. I'm talking about a book being written to people that are being called sinners. You think you've got tomorrow. He said, I want you to know you've got a little time. Then your life lies a vapor vanishes away. He said, let me tell you now, you rich men. It's time for you to weep. It's time for you to howl. He's talking about rich people who trust in their riches and don't trust in God. And in the process, they abuse their brethren. They're taking advantage of their own brethren. And he's telling them it's time for you to howl and weep. This isn't a time for you to make merry and celebrate. It's a time for you to howl and it's a time for you to weep. You want to know this is the first book that's written in the New Testament. In chronological order, James is first. And you've just got to wonder. We're talking about the time when people are being grabbed because of who they are. And heads are being cut off. Heads are being cut off. I'm talking about this is this is do or die for a lot of people. They're becoming martyrs. James, the brother of John, one of the original 12 apostles is. His head's cut off. We're talking about a time where there's persecution. And we're talking about a time when there's all kinds of evil. And for sure, you don't know if today I get my head cut off or not. You, you, but but in the midst of all of this, there's riches and there's 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 people that are allowing for the name of the Lord to be blasphemed. Hey, make way for these rich people. James two seven said they blaspheme that worthy name into which you were baptized, by which you were called. What? We're, we're talking about the glory of God. And he's saying you're preferring people who blaspheme. Not only that, they drag you before their courts. They mistreat you and you want to be one of them. He's talking about people that are proclaiming that they are something that they're not. And he's telling them, no, you can't just say you are it and you are it. You've got to have works that match your faith. He's telling them if, if you are who you say you are, there's, there's some stuff you wouldn't do. And there's a lot of things you would be doing because your works are showing and revealing and manifesting that you've got faith. 
I'm talking about when you're reading the book of James, he's getting very, very clear to a certain group of people that have earthly wisdom. And he said it's demonic. It's devilish. You're talking about these are people that are in trouble. He's saying you want to know why there's a war going on in the church. It's you guys are fighting each other. He's talking about some serious stuff. And then when he, whenever he gets to this point, it's, it's, it's tremendous. If you're listening to James by ear as it's being read to the church, and the Scripture said, by the way, the judge is at the door. My, 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 I, I, bet, you, I bet you that changes the whole atmosphere. The judge is at the door. There's one judge. We know the judge is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said he's at the door. And, and I'm talking about this is a message that's being preached to people that are a part of God's kingdom, but they backslid into sinners. He's, he's, this is who he's after. He's coming after people who were once the people of God, but they've become something else. They've not reverted back to what they were. They've become something in between. That becomes something that, that wants to claim a part of God and isn't part of God. It wants to be something, but the, but the Scripture tells us that there's a lust problem that's going on. And the problem is they want to be friends with the world. And he said, if you're going to be a friend of the world, you've got to be an enemy of God. That's the choice. I want you to know that's the choice that you make when you're coming up against God's Word versus people's wishes. That you cannot be the friend of this world and, and, and also be a friend of God. You have got to be a friend of God. And you're dead to this world. You are not controlled or ruled by the wishes of this world. You are not controlled and ruled by the things of this world. And the things of this world, according to this passage of Scripture, is outward looking. You've got all these rings on. You look like you're rich. You're wearing all this fancy clothes. And, and, but you're also the ones that we know blaspheme. Can you imagine? The Scripture talks about blasphemers. Blasphemers. That's, that's, a, that's a sin right there that's got no forgiveness attached to it. So you're being associated with people who are in a realm where there is no forgiveness. The name they blaspheme, the Bible said every sin can be forgiven except for blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. They blaspheme that worthy name. That's why you come to church and you're like, here's what we can give you. We can give you some food and we can give you a pat on the back, but we can't give you deliverance. We got some socks for you and we got some underwear for you, but what you really need is salvation. What you really need is deliverance from addiction. And I want you to know that's where glory comes in. That's when the power of God's righteousness comes in. We got that here. That's hope. That's hope. Praise God. He's talking to these people. And he's telling them, hey, the judge is at the door. He's telling the, he's telling the persecuted, hold on. But he's telling those that are rich, those that are sinners, the judge is at the door. And he busts into talking about this man, Job. I want you to know that's gotta hurt. That's gotta hurt somebody like James's feelings a little bit to be talking about a non-Jew as the example for this moment in time. You're talking about a non-Jew 
When you talk about the three examples God used for righteousness, Noah and uh, Job are both non-Jews. You got Daniel, but the two out of the three are not the people of God. As the people of God are known in the Bible. And, and so this is the world of Gentile and Jew. This is the world where you can use Ahab, Abraham and Rahab in the same sentence. You can use Abraham's example of faith by works with Rahab right back to back because this is Jew and Gentile. This is a brand new thing. This is a worldwide, global, new creation called the church of Jesus Christ. But let's talk about Job. You talk about an example of faith. You talk about an example of righteousness. There's something amazing about Job. He uses the covenant name of the Lord, Jehovah. Even though he's not a part of that covenant. He uses more names for God than anybody but Jacob. He uses every one of the El names. El, Elohim, Eloah. He uses Adonai, he uses Jehovah. He calls him Redeemer. We're on and on and on. This man's got a revelation of his God. And he's also got a revelation of his righteousness. That's what the Bible said about him. He said his righteousness is like none other on planet earth. You know what? Righteousness is a gift from our God. It's the Lord declaring us legally right. It's not you and I doing something and then we become righteous. It's God's gift to us right in the name of Jesus Christ. We are baptized into righteousness. It's justification. It's, it's a legal term. We are right with God. And Job said, I'm not going to let go of that. Everything he owned is gone. And the next thing you hear is the Lord repeating himself. Have you considered my servant Job? That there's nobody on planet earth like him. He's pure and he's righteous. Nothing changed. Lost everything, but nothing changed. Can you imagine that? You're talking about somebody whose first response was to worship. That's crazy. Naked, I came into the world, this world and naked, I'll return. The Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Where's the devil at in all this? He's not in control of any part of Job's conversation. Job is not under the power of the world or under the power of the devil. He's only under the power of the Lord. That's what it means to be righteous. I've got no other judge but Jesus Christ. I've got no other king but Jesus Christ. There is no other dominion over me but Jesus Christ. I'm not going to blame my life on the devil. The Lord's in control of my life. I'm not going to blame my life on my sin. I'm not sinned. I'm innocent. I'm holding on to my integrity. That's amazing. He does that. We could, you could talk about that for a long time. He refuses to put his life in anyone else's hands, not even his own. The Lord. It's the Lord. I don't see him right now. He's talking about that waymaker we were singing about. I'm looking for him. I don't find him, but he knows. He knows the way I take. When he's done trying me, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be gold. I'm going to be more pure. You can't touch this man's righteousness. He refuses to defend himself. He defends his relationship through the Lord's righteousness. What an amazing story. But anyway, we get to the end. The end. 
And, and the Bible said the Lord, He's full of mercy, He's pitiful, tender-hearted. So we look for that at the end. This, this, nothing's lost. Matter of fact, double. The Lord gives him double, blesses 160 years of his life. He sees four generations of his children. His women, his girls are fairer than any other women in the world. You're talking about somebody who's got it like that. He has four friends who they come, and the Scripture says they come to comfort, but it's not comfort, it's assault. And these are not people who do not know how to talk about God. These are people who have a relationship some way, shape, or form with God. We're talking about some of their speeches are very, very intelligent. They, they got some ways about them. This is such a poetic book. And you've got three of those friends who are, who are just, it's a back and forth. They're saying something to Job and Job's coming back with declaring he's righteous and he refuses to do anything but hold on to his innocence. That's what integrity is. Here's what he says. He says, the Lord's attacked me without cause. And that's what the Lord said Himself in Job 2 and 3. You instigated me to destroy Job without cause. This, this is somebody who knows what's going on. He knows the Lord is behind this. It's only God who's allowed. If, if, if anything's happening to us, James said, understand the Lord's the one who's making it work together for you and causing something good to come out of it, not evil. He's not working evil. He's not working sin. But the Lord's the one running your life. If if something's on you right now and you can't resist it off and you can't rebuke it off, you just recognize if it's not evil and if it's not sin, if it's life circumstances like Job's going through, the Lord's still in control of it. I'm not going to say I'm in charge now. I'm not going to try to look to money to be in charge. I'm not going to try to look for friends to be in charge. Nope, the Lord. But, but we start talking about if you're sick. We go from Job. And we start talking about, hey, don't fall into condemnation. The judge is here. Hey, is anybody afflicted? Pray. Anyone sick? Sing. Is there anyone sick among you? Call for the elders. Let them pray over. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. Lord, if he's committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. It's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. We're not talking about Elijah. We're talking about Job. It's the end where we see His mercy. It's the end where we see that tender heart. Have you ever looked at the end? Because the Bible tells us, and we knew from the beginning, don't get lost in the, in, the, in the story. Nothing's wrong with Job. He's pure. He's righteous. He's got integrity, which is innocence. He's holding on to it. He's not sinned. He does not speak wrong towards or about God. 
Here's what the Lord says though. To Job's three friends, you have not spoken right about me like Job has. You know what else he tells these three? My wrath is getting ready to come on you. This has nothing at all to do with restoration for Job. They're not connected. Bible said in, in 42 and 10 of Job, it says, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed, not because he prayed. It's at the same time here. It has nothing that they're not connected. It's not cause and effect. It's not all of a sudden Job's a dirtbag. You better pray for your buddies. No, no, no. You're getting ready to get a revelation of who this Job is. Because the Lord starts to make him a priest. He says, I will not hear your prayer. My wrath's coming on you three. But I will not acknowledge your face. I will not accept anything from you. He said, let me tell you what your only hope is. Get seven sacrifices. He gives them a list of sacrifices and you start wondering, they're sacrificing seven bullocks and seven rams, each of you. So you got 14 times three. Come to Job. Job will sacrifice for you. And Job will pray for you. And he said, and I will hear Job. I wonder what this whole thing's about. Why, why, why do we pick a fight right now? Why do we pick a fight with the devil right now? Why do we all of a sudden out of nowhere say, Hey, have you considered my servant Job? How, how, we don't know exactly how long all of this was going down. But here's somebody covered from head to toe in boils. Who's lost everything. Has four friends that come to him. They hear and they're drawn to him. The fourth friend is not in trouble. It's only the first three. But they're in trouble. And it's right now. My wrath's coming. Your only chance is to get sacrifices now. And bring them to Job now. And Job will sacrifice for you and pray for you. And if you do that and he does that, I'll hear Joe. Why do we pick a fight right now, Brother Dunn? Why, why do we write this book right now, James? Because the judge is at the door. Have you ever wondered about the mercy of our God? Have you ever wondered about how much he loves you? Do you think he'd pick a fight so he could save you? I'm talking about three people who've got a relationship with God, but now it's broken. Now it's messed up. Now they're wrong. Now they're not brethren, they're sinners. And the Lord is, is doing something on Job that's drawing them to Job. Just the only person who can pray for them. And the only priest they have who can sacrifice. He's a picture of Jesus Christ. He becomes one of the greatest types and shadows of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. You don't have many priests, but what he does is the actions of a priest. 
That's exactly what He does. And the timing of it all, when the Lord steps into the conversation, the conversation's getting ready to end. Why does He step in when He steps in? Why everything happening the way it's happening? We're moving towards this end. Where we see the Lord's mercy and we see how good our God is. And what if this was all about, i got to save these three people and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to move whatever I've got to move, but I'm going to set the table so they're at the right place at the right time. So before it's too late, they can come and have salvation. They can return to me. Job doesn't need mercy. Job doesn't need that. Job never didn't have God. Job was never not clothed in righteousness. But you were saying things that are not true about me. That's James' conversation. He's talking about people who have erred from the truth. He said, I want somebody, if you convert somebody, From the error of his ways. If you cause somebody to turn. He said let me tell you what you just did. You saved a soul from death. And you've you've covered or you hide a multitude of sins. Boom. You're talking about Job. You're talking about what Jerusalem needs. You're talking about what this early church needs. Because there's a lot of people who are like those three friends and they've erred from the truth. You're allowing stuff in your mind. You're starting to believe crazy things. You're starting to accept stuff. The fleshly parts of us are starting to connect with this world. And we become friends of this world and we can talk about God. All kinds of philosophy, whatever whatever you want to say. But could it be that the Holy Ghost is here today with His mercy and His glory because you don't have much time for repentance? What if What if the judge is at the door and James is writing a 911 letter and saying, Somebody, I want you to know the mercy of God is the second chance that the mercy of God is Jesus Christ died for your sins the mercy of God oh (laughs) the prayers of a righteous man that's not Elijah we move to Elijah talking about restoration but it's not Elijah you're talking about Job The Bible said that when they came, he did. He sacrificed for them. That's what a priest does. That's what Jesus Christ did. That's what he did for us. That's exactly what he did seven times. You're talking about completion. You're talking about God's perfect number. Seven, 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 seven. And they come over to here. And the Bible tells us that, that when Job prayed, that the scripture said the Lord accepted or received his faith. I want you to know the only face that God accepts in the church is Jesus Christ. That's the only face He accepts. 
I can't get salvation by my works or by my money or by my worldliness. I can't get salvation by Judaism, by synagogue, by seats. I can't get salvation any other way than my Job, Jesus Christ, the one who sacrificed on my behalf and the one who stepped in and His faith was accepted on my behalf. And I'm made righteous because of Him, sanctified because of Him, holy because of Him. I've been forgiven because of Him. He's imputed unto me righteousness. It's been imputed. His Word has been in law. It's been in, it's literally engrafted in me. Grafted in me. Ha! Oh. It's not about Job. Job repented from dust and ashes. That's what he did. He turned from that and said, this ain't my future. And that's when everything changed for Job. Immediately. We're head to toe. He's healed. The Bible's talking about this. Mixed in with the prayer of faith. People, some people are sick. Just like Job. Some people's sickness is just like Job's sickness. It's spiritual. Don't think God doesn't do things to get us. To draw us. He's drawn those friends here. In this case, but can you imagine God working inside of somebody's frail body in order to save you? How much mercy is that? What, what, what if you lost your money because you were trusting in money? What if you lost your job because your job was your Savior and it was leading you in error and you were going to die lost? Don't you think our God loves us enough to get into the middle of our life and begin stirring stuff up? He's not saying you won't be healed. He's saying you confess your faults. There's healing. There's healing. If there's prayers of faith and confession of faults, some things, I, some things are because my sin. Oh, that, that's amazing that you've got a priest, not a part of God's people, but knows all the names and his prayers work. And those three are forgiven, made right with God because of Job, not because of myself. Who were you? You forgot who you were. He said, we, if, you're, if you become a hearer, not a doer of the God's word, it's like somebody who comes and looks. And they see their Genesis face. And forget what manner of man they were. You just forget. I'll tell you what I was dead. In my trespasses and sins. I was under the wrath. Eternal wrath of God. I mean, you think about James himself. The brother of Jesus who doesn't believe in him and he mocks Jesus. James does not believe his brother is who he says he is and he lives with him and he's related to him. That's his half-brother and he doesn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. You forget what manner of man you were, James is saying, I can testify. I can testify. 
testify about that. We forget how broken we were. We forget we had no help. Oh, that, that's all we were. Some were blasphemers. Some adulterers, fornicators. Some, the, the Bible goes, some homosexuals. Some, such were some of you. Drug addicts, alcoholics, fornicators. Every lust of the flesh. But you were what? But we forgot what we were. We forgot. We, we were powerless on our own. But I've been living in my own power. And the Lord says, not, not, I've come to give you a word. I've come to give you a word to somebody. Hey, if you're right, he's saying, if you're right, I want you to know the one who converts. I want you to know what happens. Well, what are you, what are you saying that to the converters for? Because you, you hit a point in time where if you don't have a converter, you're not turning to God on your own. How many know people that are backslidden right now? And you're like, man, it's just too awkward to bring it up. I feel awkward to invite them. And the Lord's saying to the converters, all you're doing is saving somebody from death. Don't you feel that though? I need, to, I, need to tell, I need to tell them, hey, time to come back to God. I've got to quit excusing. I've got to whatever it is. Don't be nervous about a convert. All you're doing is saving a soul from eternal death. I'm not, we're not talking about something that's not serious. Serious enough for there to be a call. For there to be a willingness like Job, use me. Any way you need to use me to reach a lost and dying world. I can't make it comfortable for you if I know that it's eternal death we're talking about. We're talking about multitude of sins. Come on, the judge is at the door. That person who's out of the way, who's erred from the way. I want you to know there's some people who can't come back because they're in so much error. People who have erred from the truth. They're not listening to the truth. They're not at church hearing the preaching. They think they're okay. He's saying, hey, i got to tell the converter. This is serious. This is something that's a calling. This is something that's powerful. This is righteous prayers. and It's the voice of the righteous that if you do convert somebody, you're saving them from eternal death. I think it's worth a phone call. I think it's worth getting over being nervous about it. If you're worried about offending people, I want you to know you're too worried about being a friend of the world. You don't have to be offensive. You don't speak God's truth offensively. It's just offensive by nature. It's against the will of flesh. 
It's always going to be against the will of flesh. You don't have to accentuate it by being a jerk. No, that's the earthly wisdom. But heavenly wisdom is sowing seeds of righteousness in peace. And that's exactly what Job did. And that's exactly what our friends need from us. They need people who are not intimidated by feelings. Who are not intimidated by the... They they know the cost. And the cost is eternal death. And God's working in my life and positioning myself so I'm in contact with people and that's not an accident. It's no accident. It's no accident you've been feeling like I need to call these people. The church is not allowed to say the same things as the world. Hey, we've got time. We have no time. You're not promised any time at all. You're in this building right now. The mercy of God's got you here. If you're not, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized, the Bible says, here's salvation. Men and brethren, Acts 2.37, what shall we do? Simon Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There Simon Peter gives them the keys to eternal kingdom of God. That's available for you. And you can, we're not giving you seats today. We're giving you the opportunity for life transformation. But I wonder, Brother Dunn, I wonder if there's more to my life than just about me. If there's more to where God's working in me, to where I've got the opportunity to convert and not be friends with, convert. We're friends with the world when we're like, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to still call you brother. The Bible said, no, if you, you, you don't even call them brother anymore. You don't treat them as a brother. Because that's not loving them. The worst thing you could ever do is allow for somebody to feel okay if God's saying they're not okay. The worst thing I could do is affirm the place that you're in right now if that place is lost. You've got to be able to face the intimidating voices that are telling you you're wrong. And they're the ones that God's reaching. And you're staying there and you're refusing to let go of your righteousness. And you're not changing what you believe about God. And they come back and you come back and they come back and you come back. You refuse to step away from innocence and righteousness. And you're holding on to your revelation of who God is. And after a while, the voices are silenced and God's Word comes down with power. And it results in their salvation. Man, I've never seen a time on planet earth when there's more appeasement than there is today. There's no, there's no such thing as loving your neighbor as yourself to hell. It is not love. God's love was shown, the Bible said, to this whole planet in salvation. 
That's where God's love starts. God's love starts with salvation. God's love on planet earth is for that person. And salvation is not just, I got it. Salvation is a life transformation. Where I literally come to Him and I die. He died for me. So I am baptized into His death. And it counts as mine. And at that moment, I've literally died to all my past and my sin. And I'm baptized into that glorious name. I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible said you speak with other tongues as a sign to us that we've received that invisible spirit. Man, James is saying, but guess what we got problems with now is our tongues. We're like, I thought God got my tongue with the Holy Ghost. That's exactly what He got. That doesn't mean He's got it still. We're not talking about people who never were in church. We're talking about people in all of these stages who are a part of God's kingdom. He's telling them, the Lord is speaking. It's time for you to mourn. And we're like, no, it's good. It's time for you to weep. Hey, it's fine. And the Lord's saying, I've got to speak a word to the converters. It's not fine. It's death. That's what they're being saved from. I'm talking about eternal death. Man, I think about friends of mine. We're like, here's, how, here's what salvation is now. And they, they have no scripture to back it up, but it's just, just say you believe in Jesus. And you're saved. Did you do that? Let's clap our hands. Good, good, good for you. No change, no transformation. Talking about people that they were. They do know what it's like to be changed. They got it themselves, but they're not giving it to anybody else. I want you to know before there is an Aaron, before there is a tabernacle, before there's a temple, before there's a people of God, God's using a man named Job as a priest to reach three people. I want you to know He'll do whatever it takes. He's not bound by laws. He's not bound by rules. He'll make somebody into a priest without a church. And He'll use sacrifice right there on the spot no matter what the altar looks like. Because this wasn't about Job. This was about three friends who are at the moment of death. Eternal death. And I've come to give them mercy in place of that. I've come to let them know I'm a God who's compassionate. Oh. But it's just not going to be based off of me. It's based off of Jesus Christ. So here we are today in this room. All of us throughout time have experienced what it's like to have people, family members, whoever, walk away from God. You know what? The things that are being imposed upon people. The things that are being imposed upon people today, like, here's what you do. You call me they. And if you don't call somebody they, it's like you just said, blankety-blank Jesus Christ. And I'm, we've got family members that are just like that. 
And we've got family members that they'll call them they. And they're a part of the church. And you just, you just feel that there's a pressure. If you, if you don't acknowledge that, you're probably lying to yourself. There's a pressure. I think it would be a whole lot easier, Sister Linda, to just call them they. I, I mean, I'm just, you know, because they're... Here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm letting you feel comfortable being lost. Talking about people. My own cousins. First cousins. Talk about praying for people. I prayed her through the Holy Ghost. She got the Holy Ghost when I was preaching in Oregon City, Oregon. Call me they. What? Hey, it's okay. No, no, no. No. Why? Because I fear God. That's the other part of Job. He loves God. He hates evil. And I can't love evil. And love God. And I can't okay evil. And love God. There's been such a change for me that my new family is His kingdom. And that is more important than anything else. And so when it comes to the rest of the planet, you're never, you're never, you're never a jerk. I've, I've, I've done the worst things that people can, can, can get caught for, get in trouble for, and I've never experienced jerk Christians. I've experienced the exact opposite. Mercy. Kindness. I've, I've, I've got no experience with, oh yeah, the church will kill you. I've, I've experienced the opposite, and I've done, and I've been very public in my, in my trouble. And I've, and I've experienced nothing but the kindness the love and the mercy. The church, the church has been given the wrong reputation. It's not like that. You aren't like that. But I want you to know that somebody else has got feelings. And the scripture said, do you think the spirit in you is lusting in vain? You don't think God's jealous over you? How in the world can you have a God whose name is jealous? Because I'm talking wiped everything out and it didn't change anything. I imagine that would have changed my worship, just to be honest. My whole family's dead. All my stuff's gone. That would probably changed everything. Changed nothing. I want you to know there's something about that kind of man. That kind of man who's like literally it means nothing to me. I could lose my family, but if I've got God. Are you kidding me? You're talking about somebody who looks just like Jesus Christ. You're talking about somebody who's willing to give it all for the glory of God. That, that's a powerhouse right there. And that's what it's like when you love God and you hate evil. That's what righteousness is. It's you are no longer proud of what you used to be doing. He said you're ashamed of it. He said you weren't ashamed of it. You're ashamed of those things now. But this is the age, and I'm done, where we're calling wrong, right. This is, this is the age where it's crazy. I mean, we just know it's so. The, the woman of the year. 
You're a dude. You're the woman of the year. You're, you can be in women's Olympics and be a dude. What? Hey, you want to win a gold medal in boxing, Nathan? You can fight against the girls in the Olympics and win. Just say you're a girl. I mean, it's a crazy land. There's never been more pressure to cave than now. And that's what, that's what God's looking for is a people. A people with endurance. A people with that courage. It's a courageous holding on. It's that I won't let go of my innocence. That's what integrity is in the word. It's innocence. That God's proud of that. The second time he talked about Job, he, he added that part of it. He said, and guess what? He's holding on to his integrity. That's Job 2.3. Second time. He's holding on. I won't let go of my innocence. Can you imagine cupboard, head to toe, toe and boils, holding on to his integrity? That, that's who James is talking about. He's talking about people who are going through it. There's a famine in Jerusalem. You're talking about the poor in Jerusalem. They're going to take up special offerings for the saints in Jerusalem. They're so poor. He hold on. He said, I'm looking for courageous endurers because those are the kinds of people that God uses to convert those that have erred from the truth. God loves them enough to use you, to put you there. I want somebody to know that there's something God's doing in restoring planet earth where the end of the Lord is three people who are there for just such a time as this. This is the moment for salvation just in time. Praise God. I feel like that. I feel like we're so not just near the end, but we, we're, we're at that place where the judge is at the door ready to make a judgment. Can you imagine? Because the Scripture says there are people that God allows to stay in their wicked ways. He calls them reprobates. And he gives them over to it. That's a judgment. I'm talking about it doesn't require the rapture. There is a point where you're so deluded in your mind. You're unsavable. There is a point that people reach where it's over. No more chances. They're not dead. The rapture hasn't taken place, but the judge is judged. I feel, I, I don't know why, but I just feel like that today. I feel like that today. I feel like, man, if you've, if you've got this individual who's sacrificing for his children as a priest, just in case they sinned, and he's sacrificing for these people. Who is this guy? That nobody knows his background, where he's from, where he's at, what point in time. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the picture. You're talking about the image of Jesus Christ. And he's got a people on planet earth who are the first fruits of this new creation. And if there's ever been a time for the people of God to courageously endure. 
It's got to be now. It's got to be now. Church cannot be about sitting. What share do I got? It's who's praising, who's worshiping. It's not about seats. It's about we're here to call out sin because we love you. And you can get away from your sin. That's that's the whole glory of God's people. That's the whole glory of it. It's the forgiving Job and the forgiving God. Stand with me here today. Oh, you got to speak on behalf of God. He said, let me tell you, i got a problem with you. What, what, what's the problem? You've not spoken right. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things said about God that are not right. And they don't come from outside the church. They come from inside. He's all right with it. He's cool with it. Hey, 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 whatever, whatever it is. I got to be so careful. I've got to be so careful. What am I saying about God? What I say about God directly affects my identity. In Him. There's hope. There's Redeemer. I mean, Job's talking about resurrection. You're talking about somebody's got some revelation. He's talking about resurrection. I'll see him in my flesh. He's talking about coming back from the dead. Talking about his kinsman Redeemer liveth. He's, he's, he's going on talking about the daysman. Talking about the, the mediator. And then all of a sudden he turns into that mediator. And I want you to know there's nothing more precious than being used of God. To save a soul. Because when, when you talk about the miracles of stopping rain and starting rain back up, it had nothing to do with miracles. It had everything to do with God calling Israel to quit limping between two opinions. You either love and worship Baal, or you follow love worship God. That's why we got fire falling. That's why the rain was stopped. It wasn't about by the authority of the Word of God. It was about I'm reaching for a people. I'm reaching for a people. I'm calling people to repentance before it's too late. Oh, there's nothing more, more, more a perfect picture of the mercy of God than a moment where He creates for there to be a call to repentance. For there to be an opportunity for you to get over, through, and done with your sin. You can't say it's alright anymore. That's one thing that I've learned about this glorious book. I've got so many things to preach. I've got over 7,000 individual notes on Evernote. And some of those are 300,000 words long. So that's one note, 300,000 words. That's a lot. And I was going through Acts 1, and I made it to verse, I think, verse 26. 300,000 words. But God uses this word today. 
So if I'm living with sin, I can't anymore. If I'm okaying your sin, if I'm a friend of this world, I've got to cleanse my heart. I've got to turn back to God. I've got to resist the devil. I've got to purify myself. If I'm, if I'm, if my word's leading my life, I've got to, I've got to stop talking and I've got to say if the Lord wills. There's so many changes. If I'm double-minded, if I'm unstable, it just, there's a choice between two. And that, that's what, that's what it comes down to here today. If you're here in this room and you have never experienced God's salvation, after today, I want you to know you're accountable. If you don't repent, if you've not gotten baptized, if you've not received the Holy Ghost, now you're accountable. You heard it. If I'm appeasing backsliders, I can't anymore. If I've been so consumed with what I'm going through that I can't see what God's doing through, to others, I got to stop now because the Lord's looking for converters. He's looking for you. Can you imagine? You got to you got to count that you start to have notches on your on your Bible, so to speak. I saved a soul from death. I saved a soul from death. That's what God's doing. He's used. Hey, Elijah, I need you now for a nation to repent. There's backsliders that you're connected to. That it, all it's going to take is your boldness. Your stand with God, but your fearlessness and your faith in this powerful word. That that's all it's going to take. Who in the world's going to go through Spokane and think that Rahab wants God? The, the hooker? Yeah, yeah. The Bible said she received the messengers by faith. She was justified because she received the preachers, the messengers. I want somebody to know that there's not one thing our God can't do. His glory on this planet for people who are refusing for anything but glory to His name. And there's power here for your salvation and for your transformation. It could be that you're, you're who God's calling and saying, you might not ever feel conviction again. I'll let you be lost. That, that's how God works in the Scripture. Some people are given over, and the Scripture tells us, why is God not going after them? I want you to know there's a judgment side to God. There's a judgment side to God. He doesn't, he will not be mocked, he said. He does not get mocked. Hey, why don't you close your eyes? That's what mercy is. It's that way maker moving. It's three people who just happen to show up at Job's house. Three people who just happened to come to Job. <laughs> my, my, my. Of all the people they could have run to and into in the grocery store, it was you. 
of all the people that they could have called, it was Uncle Abraham. It's never by accident. It's never by accident when you come in contact with somebody out of the way. You're there to turn them. You're there to turn them and there's a power that's so great. There's a glory that's so great. It causes devils to tremble. There's a power with you, my friend, that there's no worldly thing can stop it. There's no, there's not one thing can change our unchanging, unshadowed over God. And he's, he's here and he's saying, hey, I'm reaching after backsliders. In the church, I'm reaching after people. How dare us have a footstool in God's church. Heaven's His throne. Earth's His footstool. You're talking about a God who the Bible said His enemies are getting put underneath His footstool. And I've become His enemy because I'm a friend of this world. Maybe i got to repent for being scared to stand. Maybe I've got to repent over, over, over appeasing rather than standing for what I know is true. I can't call it loving my neighbor after, my, after myself. If I'm leaving them the way I found them. I can't call it loving my neighbor after myself. James said if I, if I just say, hey, hey, here, I hope you get warm. If I got a coat. I hope you get some food if I got some food. Hey, I hope you come back to God. And I leave you just like I found you. It's a setup. It's a divine setup. This time's a time of mercy. I don't think that, I think it'd be all right if we all began to confess our sins here today. If we all confessed our faults, I'll bet you there'd be healing get loosed in here. I'll bet you there's healing that won't get loosed until I give up sins I love. Until I give up habits I love. Until I break off from friendships with this world. Get a hold of my heart. I bet you there's healing that could get loosed. <laughs> I bet you there's souls that need to get healed today. Come on, girls, you go ahead and start singing if you're here and you'd like to have an experience with God. You just come up here to the front. You just start to talk to the Lord. That's all. If, you, if you're here today and you've God's working in your heart. And you've been going at your own skate, your own pace, your own time, your own way. God's saying, break out of that. You don't have time to get through it. You don't have a tomorrow. You've only got a today in salvation. There's no tomorrow. Salvation's today or never. That's the Bible outlook. It's today or never. Oh! God, allow us to have a boldness. Help us, Holy Ghost, I pray, to have a courageous endurance. Let there be a release of a glorious redemption flowing out of your people. Let there be conversion after conversion of backsliders, I pray, God. Don't let people come into our church, God, and die lost without you. If they're here, help them, God. If they're here, save them, God. If they're here, deliver them. Don't let me live without you, God.
Don't let my heart get wrong and broken and out of the way, Jesus Christ. Come on. The prayers of a righteous man. (laughs) You can break people free. Your hands can deliver people's minds. Oh! Yes, God. I said He's a way maker. Job, it's a setup. It's a setup for your friends. It's a setup for their salvation. It's a setup because God's that merciful. Yes. Oh my 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 God, I need you, Lord. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I need you, God. I need you, God. I need you, Lord. Oh, we'll baptize you today. We'll, we'll baptize you today. We'll pray with you today. We don't got a chair for you. We don't got a good seat for you. But we do have salvation. We do have the power of God. We do have glory. We do have the mercy of God. Oh, what a tender heart. What a lover. <laughs> oh, yes. Be looking for divine setups. Be looking for divine moments. Not by chance. It's not by chance there's an encounter with somebody this week. It won't be by chance you run into so and so this week. Be bold when you do. God set this up. God's behind this. God's mercy brought me here. I say you're holy, God. I say you're holy, God. Oh, yes, God, I pray. Baptize your people with anointed hands. Your name, your name, your name, God. It's prayers of faith. Oh, it's prayers of faith. No, we're not asking unwavering. We're not wavering in our faith. Prayers of faith. We know God's answering. We know God's hearing. We're praying in faith, not like a wave. Oh, yes. God's given me power over my tongue. God's given me power. My tongue's in His hands. My tongue's in His power. Oh, yes. Oh, my rato, so ringo, so Promise keeper. That's who you are, Lord. 
That's who you are, Lord. Perico for 